Matthew Danko Podcast. Please don't call it that. I'm your host, Matthew Danko. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, congratulations, because you are one of the few people that are actually listening, which, granted, one of them is probably my future self. A, because I'm egotistical and like to hear the sound of my own voice, and B, just to see if this actually sounds as good as it does in my head. But also, if you're listening, this is the first official podcast. Now, for those of you who have downloaded this from the iTunes store, I'm not sure if I'm going to put it anywhere else as of right now, but if you're doing that, then you see that I have six other episodes up. Those first six episodes were from the Matthew Danko blog podcast. Blogcast says apparently that's a thing on the internet. But anyway, it was literally blogger.com, run through Google, um, where I would just type up a blog and then I'd add a little bit of audio to it. It was about 5, 9, 15 minutes of me rambling on, which is essentially what these podcasts are actually going to be. But I didn't take the time out to learn how to upload them to iTunes and make them downloadable so that you can get them on your iPhone or iPod or just download them from the store to your computer and listen to Beam ramble on about pretty much pretty much there are like five four or five things that I generally talk about uh, Batman because it's fucking Batman Doctor Who uh, same reason as Batman only it's the Doctor and Doctor Who Doctor Universe as if you will um, Kevin Smith, who got me into podcasting, one of two people that got me into podcasting, and because I love Kevin Smith as a movie director and screenwriter, and The Evil Dead, because if you did follow my blog podcast before, you would know, and it was kind of the only one I did, but I had this kind of running show where every Wednesday, or at least on most Wednesdays, I would do the Ash Wednesday blog post podcast. And The Evil Dead is one of my favorite movies from the original to the remake because they did a wonderful job. And I thought I was going to be pissed that Ash wasn't in it, but didn't fucking matter. Excellent film, if you like that sort of thing. But anyways, because I love The Evil Dead, every Ash Every Wednesday, I would do an Ash Wednesday, play on the religious Ash Wednesday, and then my final one was actually on the religious Ash Wednesday, and it was called Ash to Ashes to Ashes, or Ashes to Ashes to Ash. Very clever play on words, I'm sure, but it was just literally some news about the Evil Dead, the upcoming movie, or any Ash-related stuff I could think of, or that I found out in the last few days. And because it's Wednesday, I'll talk a little bit about the Evil Dead, but just for the newcomers, it might be a thing where every Wednesday I'll upload a video, not a video, that used to be the thing. I would do videos all the time, update people on my life for no reason. But I might have an Ash Wednesday continuation where it's just every Wednesday I'll talk the Evil Dead in some way, shape, or form, because I think that shit's cool. Now, this podcast is the first one that I'm directly uploading to iTunes, because I figured that shit out, and it's free as hell. I thought I would need to learn, like, scripts, which is, like, internet speak for 
the information and whatnot using WordPress or uh, what the I can't think of the other one but there's tons of them out there and I thought I would have to do all that but there's an easier way to do that and it you type in all the information you need like the title the description and shit like that how long the podcast is if you go to podcastgarden.com it's completely free you can I'm not I, I think it's unlimited like it doesn't matter how many uploads you have in a month or the size like the amount of space that you're using for their server but if you want to start your own podcast I suggest you going to podcastgarden.com like I said it's completely free they basically lay it all out for you and then there's an option to upload it to iTunes so you can have like your podcast like your picture for your show that makes it enticing so the people know a little like the title of your show and shit and that'll show up when you're listening to the podcast if you're downloading it to your iPhone and you have the podcast up like the album art cover that's what it would your picture would be and then you go into the iTunes store and like submit a podcast and then it asks for like an RSS feed so that anytime you update your podcast garden podcast it will directly update through the iTunes store and make it available there is like a 24-hour waiting period for iTunes to approve the episodes that you've submitted but I think generally if as long as you're not like doing snuff audio things like killing people on on the air for real I think they're pretty cool with whatever you put on your podcast and you know of course if it's if there's like swearing and shit which most people do that sort of thing I don't know because it sounds cool just make sure you put like explicit so that I don't know so you don't get sued by some parent who's like my kid was listening to this podcast and I had no idea I don't know people are crazy I once read a woman sued a 12 year old child because he hit a foul ball into the bleachers and hit her right in the face she ended up suing the child people are crazy this world's nuts anyways back to the good nature of my show where I just talk which I've been doing for a while now since this is the first comeback podcast um, for those of you who haven't heard the show before I suggest you listen to the first six up six episodes or the very first intro episode so this is kind of my comeback episode if you will and what I plan to do with the show is you know Ash Wednesdays if I have any other free days to like do any other interesting podcast kinda have a show per per day or a show for five, four, four days out of seven I don't know something to keep you guys entertained for the three people that are listening and it kinda gives me a good chance to talk because if you've met me before I mean I'm not the most talkative person I'm very shy very soft-spoken very quiet all those are the same thing sorta of. but that's because I kinda live too much in my head and I stop myself from spitting out little blurbs of information because I think I'll sound stupid or when really I'm so self-aware that I see other people talking and they're doing that they're just spitting out things that you know hey so this happened the other day or 
did you know that blah 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 and they're cool with it nobody judges them and nobody should judge them they're just talking they're filling the silence in our lives so that's perfect but for me even though I'm so self-aware that that's happening around me I can never get myself to just do it every once in a while I'll break out of my shell especially if you if you've known me for a while I can get pretty talkative but if you if you start um, a friendship with me in the last like month probably takes like two to three months for me to completely break out of my shell I don't know it, it's weird and I'm a weird person but that's cool anyways these podcasts get me to talk to nobody and get my shit out there so that at least people can hear the thoughts that I have now in the future if this show picks up and you know more than three people are listening maybe four um, I plan to have like guest hosts and co-stars and I even asked my production three team from Point Park to like if they want to come on the show and we sit around in a group and just record some stuff about like what our experiences were on the film set and the problems we had or just BS just talk about anything I don't know I also had this dream that um, the people at my work and I did that where we had I work at the exchange which if you're not local or live in Ohio it it's basically just a used DVD CD video game store I mean there's like retro games like the NES and the Sega Genesis and and then you can buy new stuff there too but and then they have shit ton of collectibles really cool stuff they have vinyl records um, all kinds of neat stuff but I had this dream that we would do a show like in the back room of the exchange and it was called the exchangers and basically when you work at the exchange you realize that everybody sort of has like their talent or they're most interested in like we have a record guy and then we have like a person who knows all about video games and then one who knows all about movies and so everyone who was expert in their field um, they would talk about like the new shit that we got in or the trade-ins that come in like you can trade your stuff in there get a store credit value or cash and there's some cool stuff like when people clean out their closets or basements you can get all kinds of crazy shit comic books um, apparently the other day somebody traded in a evil ash 12 inch action figure and for those of you like I said before I did the Evil Dead podcast Ash Wednesday and the Army of Darkness which is the third film in the trilogy um, there's a character in there Evil Ash which is basically everything bad about the um, well I say everything bad but he's sort of an anti-hero at, at moments um, I don't know I don't know you could argue probably all day about that but it was so cool because somebody had traded in it's still in the box and the poster is like the cover art for the box itself it's only 20 bucks and I want to pick it up but my point is it's just all kinds of crazy shit comes in so the stories behind them it, it's kind of like like a pawn stars if you will I mean a little bit you don't pawn it so that like I, I don't know 
I'm not good at explaining that shit, but it's a very cool store. Come check it out. I work at the one at Robinson, right across the mall, from the mall, um, right next to David's Bridal and Coldstone and all that. Great store. There's there's so many locations. Um, it's based in Ohio. And, yeah, so there's, like, one downtown. There's there's a few downtown, actually. And then there's one on Southside, Dormont, Monroeville. I'm not going to give you the background history of my store. I feel like I already did. But, yeah, it's just a cool place to go um, for all the stuff you might not find anywhere else. Shit, I can't remember what I started talking about. Just, I guess, podcasting in general. So, yeah, I plan to have other people come on who are interested in, like, Doctor Who or Batman or even my friend Anthony Belgich and I have talked about a radio show once. Um, if you don't know Anthony Belgich, um, he's one of my best friends. He goes to Point Park with me. And we, in high school, we did this show, this television show, um, School Crime Investigations, SCI. It was based on the show Psych. It was heavily based on the show Psych. Um, the USA show with Sean Spencer, played by James Roday, and Dulé Hill, which you may know from uh, Holes. He played Onion Sam. Can't think of any other movies he's been in, but um, Sean Spencer is a quote-unquote psychic detective and he has a photographic memory um but instead of you know just coming out to the police and saying that he has a photographic memory and can it's very hyper observant and can put pieces together really quickly and solve crimes like that um instead of just telling the police that he convinces them that he's a psychic and starts up his own psychic detective agency with his neighbor or childhood friend burton guster played by Dule hill um, so the whole show, I think it's in its 7th or 8th eighth season, I'm not sure. It's just two best friends making 80s references, solving crimes. And that's what the basis for SCI was, sort of. We would, I mean, we would make references to the 80s, even though we were both born in the 90s. Um, and it just had that vibe where, like, I... I we didn't really have a gimmick. We were just in high school solving crimes. We were high school detectives solving crimes. And if you go on to YouTube, I'm sure you could find them. School Crime Investigations, SCI. Um, it was very cool to do. The, the episodes, actually, I mean, there were two episodes. We had in mind so many more, but we only shot two of them. And we aired them back-to-back, kind of, just to get one out for Halloween. Um, it's literally us. We had, like, the premise, and we had, I think we had a script for both, um, both episodes, but we just were like, screw this, and we improved both episodes, basically just playing off each other, and I think we did it brilliantly, even though we had no idea what we were doing as far as, like, you know, um, filming, or, uh, you know, screenwriting. He's he's the screenwriter, and I I'm the director. At least that's what I say. Uh, I'm not much of a director. I kind of just sit back and let shit unfold. But 
so we kind of knew what we were doing, but not really. And if you go back and look, there's... I think the first episode takes place in the same exact hallway at, like, three different points. Like, the hallway was probably a football field, two... A football field and a half, maybe. And we kind of just filmed the entire episode in that one long stretch of hallway, but would jump back and forth. It was quite... It, I mean, looking back on it now, it's funny as hell. And it was enjoyable when we did it. I'm sure if Anthony Vogich, if you're listening out there, please, we can totally do this podcast thing. Super easy. It's literally just us talking. Essentially, it's just us talking and recording recording it. But anyway, eventually I plan on having him, I mean, if he wants to come on the show and we'll discuss the shit we did, the shit we want to do, um, and we'll ramble on for 45 minutes, 50 minutes, about nothing. But I guarantee you, you will laugh at some point. So, those are my plans for the future in terms of podcasting. Um, and the reason I started podcasting, well, one of two reasons. One is my girlfriend started a blog, um, Confessions of a Disgruntled 20-something Cancer Survivor, where she would literally just talk about how... Uh, kind of what she went through and what she was thinking at the time and what she thinks now which it's she's an excellent writer so it was very I mean it might be a depressing subject matter but she made it like pretty witty and funny at times um she was kind of just being real her name's Jessie Pardee for the record um you can find that blog I think she finished it officially um like in June, but if you want to read her stuff, really, really well-written stuff, jessieisdisgruntled.blogspot.com. The blogspot is the uh, Google blog post place for people who want to spit out blogs. That's where I started these podcasts, blogcasts again, if you will. Um, but yeah, I'm plugging her blog because A, she is my girlfriend, and B, she does write some really good stuff. So check that out. It's it's called Confessions of a Disgruntled 20-something Cancer Survivor. And the uh, the URL, again, is jessieisdisgruntled.blogspot.com. Now, my blogspot posts were... Shit, I don't even know that. I think it was just... Um, shit, I can't even remember the URL. I think it was like, uh, god damn, don't call it my podcast.blogspot.com, <laughs> and I posted the final, final blog post uh, Sunday, I think, because I'm breaking away from the blogging, and now I'm getting back into the podcasting, because like I said before, I didn't know how to upload it and shit. But anyway, so she was one who convinced me to get into blogging and podcasting. And then the other heavy, heavy influence, and I don't mean um, heavy in weight, although some would argue that he was too fat to fly, Kevin Smith, who does podcasting like you read about, as he would say, he has 20 or so different shows, um, probably one for each day of the week. And then some. There's probably 
I mean, what, seven days? There's like 25, maybe more podcasts. I haven't listened to all of them. I really only listened to Jay and Silent Bob Get Old, where it's him and Jason Mewes talking. Um, I listened to Smodcast, which is him and Scott Mosier. I listened to The Stash, which is the comic book... Um, the Comic Book Men-based podcast. If you go on AMC, and, you know, I think it's right after The Walking Dead, they have a show on AMC at the Secret Stash in Red Bank, New Jersey, where it's literally, it's kind of the same thing as Pawn Stars, or people come in with their generally comic book-related merchandise or superhero-related merchandise. They see what they can get for it, and then Walt Flanagan and the gang determine, you know, is this something that we can sell? How much is it going for? And it's a really good show. It takes place in the Jay and Silent Bob secret stash, which, you know, Kevin Smith owns. And then they have the podcast. Um, they record the podcast at the same time. And then they have clips of the show, like Kevin Smith sitting around with Walt Flanagan, Brian Johnson, Ming Chen, and Mike Zapsig talking about the week that just, you know, that essentially they've just filmed. Um, and so there's all kinds of podcasts he does like that. And Kevin Smith is one of my favorite movie directors and screenwriters because, I mean, say what you want about him, but there's just something about him that gets, like, that gets my attention. And he has this like, why not attitude now? I mean, granted, he's a huge stoner and admits to it fully. But because he smokes, he's like, if I'm if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to smoke some weed, you know, loosen myself up, if I'm going to do this, I must be productive while I'm doing it. Um, because there's certain people in his life, like Jason Mewes, who couldn't handle their high, as he says, who just let it get, like, it took over him, and then he was like, pretty much on the verge of dying um several times and like it basically though kevin smith's um mantra motto life life view is if like just handle your high you gotta handle your high if, if you can do it and like it doesn't take you over then just do it if you're not hurting anybody i mean in terms, I think he means in terms of at least weed. I don't, I don't know his stance on other drugs or love, love and other drugs. But basically, what I'm, what I was saying was that he does these podcasts because he's being so productive. He has um, in the works Clerks Three. I think he just finished the script not too long ago, and he wants to start shooting in um, at the end of the year. But he's got to get it approved by the Weinstein Company. I think he already sent them the script. And if they pass on it, then he's going to, you know, do some changes or see what, what he can do with it. And then they also have the last um, say-so. So if they say, if he takes it back to them and they say yes, then it gets the ball rolling. If they say no, then he's just like, I'm going to fund this myself because essentially what he says is Clerks 3 will be his last film. He's kind of just stopping, closing the door to his directing um, part of his life, only because he feels, I mean, fuck, you can listen to any podcast, and I'm sure it comes up at some point. But 
it's just like he, he'd rather leave the party while the party's still going on rather than the party leaving and him being left behind. So kind of just, you know, when he can put the foot down on his own career and be like, you know what, I'm going to move on from this, then it's not like he's crashing and burning and giving and has to give up or like he's like he's kind of making the choice himself. And I think that's really cool. Um, he also has what spawned from a podcast with Scott Mosier. There was this story he read, like when he does the, the podcast, at least on Smodcast. Um, shit, I forgot to throw out Hollywood Babylon. That's another show he does with Ralph Garman, who does some voices on Family Guy, if you like Family Guy. Um, he does a shit ton of celebrity impressions. But essentially Hollywood Babylon is them two talking about the news of Hollywood, like Amanda Bynes and Lindsay Lohan and Kim Kardashian, and even like the, you know, I guess more respectable celebrities, like the ones who've just passed, or the good ones who are doing shit for other people and stuff like that. That's a really, really, really entertaining show. But this project that I was talking about was one that spawned from a Smodcast um, podcast, I guess I don't have to say podcast, a Smodcast with Scott Mosier where they read this um, article, or at least this ad, where this man, I forget the, names, the name of the guy, but he put an ad in like the personals of some paper, maybe it was Craigslist, asking for a lodger to like live with him. Um, I can't remember if the rent was free, but just somebody to kind of keep him company. He had been, I think he had been on this island for like six or 12 years. That's a huge leeway, but this guy had been living on this island or so for so long. And he had this, um, walrus that like, he like befriended this walrus while he was living there. And he got so attached to it, like. Then when he finally was rescued, or when he finally made it back to, like, society, um, he kind of missed the walrus very much. So he put this ad out there to get somebody to lodge with him to take up the extra room. Um, but the stipulation was that they had to, two hours a day, dress in this walrus suit and respond to the name Jerry. But they couldn't talk. For two hours, they could not talk. As a human, they had to be a walrus and just spend time with them for two hours. Like that, then the whole show was like, "What would you do it?" Like, if I can't remember if it was free rent, and he was just living there, and like the thing was, he had to dress up for two hours as this fucking walrus and be friends with this guy, but he couldn't talk. As a human being, he had to fit the walrus. Um, profile and not do anything other than be the walrus that the guy wants him to be but anyways what spawned out of that um he was like what if we did a movie like that where it was like this this really creepy lodger who was just like this this guy um i think he i, I can't it was called the walrus and the carpenter that was the working title um, but
but basically the lodger in the movie the it was the horror movie based idea the idea was that the lodger was kind of like um was a little bit nuts if you will um kind of off his rocker but it, but seemed like a very normal guy almost like a norman bates kind of kind of dude um and he puts the ad out or maybe he doesn't even put the ad out but he basically he finds this guy um through whatever means and sews him into like a walrus costume like makes him a walrus like makes it so that he can't speak um and like staples him and sews him into the suit and it would be this it was almost uh human centipede like in terms of freakiness where this guy was sewing this other guy into a walrus costume or he, it might have been like the carcass of a dead walrus and they were just joking about it because what they do is they kind of take this ideal and then they just play off of it for like 45 minutes and they were just going back and forth like explaining the movie like beat by beat just to like you know have some fun speculating on what this horror movie would be like and then since he tweets all the time, Kevin Smith is a huge Twitter, tweeter, tweeter, Twitter, tweeter on Twitter. Um, he loves Twitter. And he was like, if you would like to see this as a film, uh, tweet me walrus yes. If not, tweet walrus no. And apparently so many people um, said yes that he actually started writing a script for it. And he was like, you know, at first this was just like a joke, um, but it's actually really good now. He he might ha he said he's gonna keep it like real tight to 90 pages or so. Um, and the last I heard about it, he had like 70 pages already done. And in and this this the uh, the guy who was looking for the lodger in the film. Um, like the surgeon who sews this guy into a walrus suit would be played by Michael Parks, the guy who starred in Red State. If you've seen, if you haven't seen Red State, it is a Kevin Smith film, and you might not like Kevin Smith. Why? I don't know. For independent filmmakers like myself, granted, I haven't really done many independent films, but there's definitely something good about the films that Kevin Smith has made. You might not like his movies, you might not like him as a person, but as an independent filmmaker, if that's what you're into, he is, he, I don't know, he can speak forever about the subject, and I don't know, I just, I see myself in a version of Kevin Smith, and that's why I relate to him so much, and that's why I fucking love all the stuff that he does. If you see my Facebook, it's I usually post a lot of Kevin Smith shit. And that's because, I mean, he's just, to me, he's just a, a, an amazing guy. And he's the nicest guy in the world. I mean, I haven't met him face-to-face, -face, but I've met people who've met him. And just brilliant. Just brilliant. Because when you, like... You have a hero, and um, it, you meet the hero, and it turns out he's not the hero 
that you thought he was, like Bruce Willis. Now, Velgich sent me a uh, link to an interview, and from a few other things that I've heard about Bruce Willis, he's not exactly the awesome action star that he is on the big screen. He's kind of a dick sometimes. And I mean, you'll have that, but to me, Kevin Smith, he's probably one of the nicest heroes that I have, <laughs> and I haven't even met him yet. Keep wanting to, and I've been to a Jay and Silent Bob, or, yeah, Jay and Silent Bob Get Old, I've been to a Kevin Smith Q&A, and I just, I want to ask him a question, I don't know what question I would ask him, but I just want to meet the guy, and I keep trying to, I got... They were doing a uh, casting call for a comic book man to get like people with cool shit to come in and like pawn their stuff off or get cool stuff, get people to come in and buy shit from the store and be on the show for AMC. And I got a call from the uh, casting department, you know, to get a little bit of information about myself. And that was like the greatest thing ever. I know they were probably doing it for everyone who applied, but it was just like. If this is the time that I get to meet Kevin Smith, like, I'm going to lose my shit because it's just, he he is one of my heroes. And scoff all you will, but I'm standing by that. He is terrific. His movies are smart, and there's not a much much to them, to them, and they don't have to be the Titanic of a film. The Titanic of film? Not, like, disastrous, but, like, for, uh... In terms of, like, the Titanic was, you know, one of the biggest box office successes directed by James Cameron, you know? Like, he doesn't have to make those films. He doesn't have to make Avatar, which, granted, a lot of people didn't like, apparently. I mean, it wasn't the greatest film in the world. I'm not going to sit here and defend it, because that's not what this one's about. But it's just Kevin Smith, he doesn't have to do that. He can leave the camera in one spot... And let the actors just act and talk. And what they're saying is what's important. It's the human interaction that, that's what's cool. And for me, that's amazing. But like I said, what started off as a joke ended up being something that he's put into work. Um, I believe the working title, I mean on the Smodcast it was the, the uh, Walrus and the Carpenter. But I think he changed the name to Tusks to make it more like, you know more of a horror movie um and michael parks is supposedly going to play the uh the surgeon who i don't think i explained who he was if you've seen clerks and mall rats chasing amy or know of jane silent bob kevin smith is the silent bob of the two but like those are all dick and fart jokes being thrown around there's some good messages in all of them but essentially that's what it is and then you get red state which is a political i mean it, it there's there's a good deal of politics with it um about oh shit well i know what it's about i don't want to mislead anybody um so i'll just imdb it for you Set in middle America, a group of teens receive an online invitation for sex, though they soon encounter fundamentalists with a much more sinister agenda. 
I mean, that's kind of misleading. I mean, that's that's like the opening where these this group of kids, um, are they want to? Yeah, they receive an online invitation for sex, and then they go to they answer the ad, and then shit just gets crazy. It's kind of based on the Westboro Baptist Church, which if you know those fuckers, I mean, come on, they're 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 they do some fucked up shit and um Kevin Smith has had run-ins with them before but on Red State I mean there's parallels to the uh I think it's the Cooper clan is like their on-screen parallel where it's like they they despise homosexuality and they despise it so much that I mean the Cooper clan is essentially the one family it's almost a cult probably you could call it a cult but it's one family like of all these people who believe that homosexuality is wrong and like so much in fact that they round up um homosexuals and kill them right on the spot so it's really really nuts especially if you go from clerks to or if there's a donkey show in it to Red State. Granted, there were some movies in between that, but, like, it's nuts. It's an excellent film, though, and I would suggest watching it if if you might, you know, um, if you want to check that out, at least. Just, it's just amazing, and Kevin Smith, he, he's got, he's got the right idea. He has a wonderful family, wife and a daughter, um, few dogs, and he's on tour. I think he's still on tour with his buddy Jason Muse, um, doing the Jane Silent Bob Super Groovy Cartoon Movie, which started, I think it started at the beginning of uh, Jason Muse's sobriety. Um, kind of just like busy work at first, where um, Kevin Smith had this script for his comic books, uh, Blunt Man and Chronic, the. Jay and Silent Bob Alter Egos from Chasing Amy and in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. So he had this script for Blunt Man and Chronic and gave it to Jason Muse, who wanted something to do. And Jason Muse went around and turned it into a fucking feature. I, I, I can't remember how long it is. Um, let me just look real quick. It's a, it's a cartoon. I mean, as the title suggests, it's a cartoon movie that costs like sixty nine thousand, I think. Um, shit, I don't know the runtime on it. It's probably, I think it's only an hour long. And what it is is, it's literally just a cartoon in the style of, um, the Smotimations, which. I know I'm giving you so much more information on Kevin Smith than you probably want. But it's interesting. When, uh, you know, since he does the podcast, which is all audible stuff for people to listen to, he uh, had this buddy, Steve Stark, which is this Canadian cartoonist, draw over the podcast. So, like, he would basically draw out a cartoon, matching it up with the topic of the podcast. So, like, there's this one where they talk about Aquaman, uh, serving 
aquatic justice, but he's really a useless superhero. And the cartoon, it's probably like five minutes or less. Um, it's just a cartoon of their conversation about Aquaman. And they did a whole hour-long presentation of just that style of cartoon. And it's excellent. I mean, it's there's an actual story. It's a, it's a very cool comic book super movie, superhero movie. Um, I loved it. Jesse, my girlfriend Jesse and I, we went to Washington D.C. to see it because um, it wasn't playing in in uh, theaters. They were going on tour with it, so not only did we get to see that. Um, feature, but afterwards they did a Jay and Silent Bob Get Old podcast, which was also a and a so like, they filmed the, they uh, recorded the podcast in, in D.C. and had people, like, they had a mic for each side, Kevin questions on one side, Jay questions on the other, and people just went up and talked, and then they would spit back answers. It was an excellent time, and I, I there was one in Pittsburgh that I wanted to go to, but I couldn't at the time. Um, but the movie itself, it's based on the actual comic books that he did, the Bluntman and Chronic comic books, and they follow it pretty closely. Um, but like I said, it was only that they weren't playing it anywhere, really. So I couldn't just pop into a theater. I had We drove out to uh, Washington, D.C., which at the time they didn't have a listing for Pittsburgh, or else I would have um, I would have jumped on that. I mean, I probably would have gone to both if things were different, but I just I just want to meet Kevin Smith, just shake his hand because he's influenced my life in ways that I that most people ha won't ever understand. Um, but anyways, enough about Kevin Smith. Comic Con just happened. Um, Kevin Smith was there. No, but I mean he was, but. Just trying to be funny. I've been talking for like 45 minutes. Um, but anyways, so at Comic-Con, most people have heard by now, they uh, did a trailer. I think it. I think there was a trailer for it. Um, for a Man of Steel 2, which would feature Henry Cavill. Cavill? I don't know how you say his last name. Which, by the way, real quick, in Man of Steel, confirm or deny, for those of you who've seen it. I mean, I've seen the, the GIF image, but do you think it was meant on purpose? In the newest Superman, Superman movie, Man of Steel, there's a sequence where Superman is flying. Like, it looks like he just took off or is bursting through clouds or something. It's really bright around his face. But as he's like, he's got the... Uh, the face on of like I'm using all my might to push myself through these clouds there's a moment probably one to two seconds where his face Henry Cavill's face changes into um, Christopher Reeves face like either he looks so much like him that there's just a trick in the light or they put his they put Christopher Reeves face on it just for a throwback I've been seeing that shit all over the internet of people like, oh yeah, they meant to do that, and that's fucking cool, or you know, it's just he looks so much like him. Like, basically, the two things that I just said.
But anyway, so for those of you who've seen it, do you think that they did that on purpose or that's just a coincidence? Because I've seen the clip, and even though it's one or two seconds, like, fantastic. It looks exactly like Christopher Reeve. And even if they didn't do it on purpose, if they just have, like, if it's just a coincidence, that's, that's pretty fucking cool. But anyways, Man of Steel 2... As I'm told, there was a uh, trailer that they exclusively showed at um, Comic-Con, Man of Steel 2, which featured um, Superman and Batman. Right. Whoa. Like, fuck. I just told you how much of a fan I am as Batman of Batman. As Batman. I am a fan, but as Batman. Now, but Batman is like one of my favorite superheroes, and I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Superman for reasons, but Batman has always been my favorite. Um, and to see those two, um, I'm I'm told supposedly it's Batman versus Superman or Superman versus Batman. I'm sure there's going to be some debate over whether or over which name goes first, right? Because Batman versus Superman or Superman versus Batman. But the only time that I've ever seen those two duke it out, um, physically at least, was in the Dark Knight Returns cartoon and graphic novel. I mean, I know for a fact that there's probably numerous occasions. There's also this movie on Netflix, I think, still, called Justice League Doom, where um, somebody breaks into the Batcave and steals Batman's information on all of the Justice League. And in all of the files of the Justice League, Batman has, like, the, uh, their, um, their, uh, I can't think of the word I want to use, but basically their weakest points, like Superman um, is vulnerable to kryptonite. Um, really, that's the only one I can remember, but I, I'm sure Aquaman's vulnerable to fire. To be fair, I'm sure most of them are, but so somebody breaks in. It might be the Joker. It might be some other... I don't know, but they break in to, it might have been Mirror Man, or something like that, who basically hides in the, uh, Mirror, oh, shit, I can't remember the superhero, or the villain, rather, that does it, but he, like, jumps into the mirror of the Batmobile, and then when the Batmobile goes back into the Batcave, he comes out of the Batmobile jumps onto the computer and downloads all the shit. So, basically, the top villain, it might be Lex Luthor is the actual main villain, has all of the uh, weakest points of the Justice League and uses it to take them down. And then the whole Justice League is fighting Batman like, why the fuck would you do that? Why would you have all of the information on us, but not nothing on, like... You don't even have, you don't have a file about how to bring yourself down. And Batman's like, um, the reason I have all these files, I'm not going to do the Kevin Conroy Batman voice, because Kevin Conroy 
is my favorite um, Batman voice actor in the history of Batman voice acting. I mean, Dietrich Bader, who you might know from uh, the True Carey show who played Oswald, um, who was a security guard in Jane's on Bob Strike Back, and I'm sure a bunch of other shit. Um, he was on an episode of Psych and Monk, I think. Yeah. You'd know if you saw his face. But anyways, uh, apart from him, Kevin Conroy is just amazing. But in the, And he does the voice in this movie, Justice League Doom. And he's like, uh, the reason I have all these files on you guys is in case one of you got too powerful. Because we're all superheroes, but... You know, it's like... Basically, if they ever go rogue, Batman has a way to stop them all. And then he's like, what about you? Or like, one of them, Superman or Wonder Woman's like, what about you? Why don't, why isn't there a file on you and how to take you down? And he's like, well, like, what takes down the Batman? And he's like, oh, I have one for that. It's called the Justice League. So, which is a really cool Batman moment, but basically he's the ultimate bringer of justice, right, Batman? So he has everyone's weakness on it, only it falls into the wrong hands and it's about them trying to get it back, even though, like, they can just remember that shit. <laughs> like, oh yeah, Kryptonite, I remember Lex Luthor tried to use that against Superman and it fucked his shit up. But anyways, the only time that I've ever seen them brawl, um, Superman and Batman was in the Dark Knight Returns graphic novel, and then when they made it into a, uh, I think they did it in the, uh, cartoon version, which was an excellent cartoon adaptation of the film. Like, fantastic. Um, God, I might have to watch that tonight. It was just, because, I mean... There are there are a few Batman stories that I really love, like Year One and uh, uh, shit, Crisis on Infinite Earths. That's I don't think that's just Batman though. I mean that's that might just be like that might be a standalone title in the DC universe. Um, but I swear there was a Batman version of it. It might have been like the Batman on two Earths or something. Yeah, Batman, Batman, Crisis on Two Earths. Uh, they made that into a cartoon as well, and same with Year One. That's kind of where uh, Nolan got some inspiration for the Dark Knight series. But there's like the the Dark Knight Returns. I haven't read the Dark Knight Strikes again. I haven't. I don't have it yet. Um, the Killing Joke I have, that was phenomenal. I wish they would do that. Um, I wish they would do that as a movie, a cinematic version. But I don't even see them doing it as a uh, cartoon because there's just... There's just... Uh, so much fucked up with it. And I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but... I, I don't see them doing it. I mean, that's the one, for for those of you who don't follow the Batman mythos, but to be fair, I'm not the um, expert on the Batman mythos. I've just become a comic book guy, and so I'm sorry for anyone who's smarter than I am on the subject and have 
far more to talk about or far more accurate things to say, but just from what I know um, in the Bat Batman mythos, and from what I played from even Arkham, the Arkham Asylum and Arkham City games, and Arkham Origins, which is to come out in October, the, what I know is that um, Barbara Gordon, who played Batgirl, played Batgirl, who became Batgirl in the comics, um, the daughter of Commissioner Gordon. Wow, I can't believe I just forgot that. The daughter of Commissioner Gordon, um, Barbara Gordon, became Batgirl. Um, you know, did that shit for a while, and then the Joker uh, shot, I, I think he used a gun and paralyzed her. So she couldn't, like, Commissioner Gordon was like, what have you done to my girl? And she's paralyzed now, so she's in a weird wheelchair, and she's taken on the name of the Oracle. Or Oracle, I'm not sure if it's the Oracle or whatever, but uh, she basically is, like, she's the computer girl who gives Batman some information, is tapped into his cow so they can communicate. I don't know the whole story about the Oracle or Oracle, just from what I've gotten from the killing, well... Killing Joke is where she becomes disabled. I don't think she becomes Oracle in that issue. Or that storyline. But I just, I just love... I love graphic novels and comic books now. Like, they're so, they're so entertaining. They're so great. And there's so many good ones out there. I mean, whether you're Marvel or DC, which are the two big ones, or there's so many others to choose from, sure. Dynamite. Uh... Yeah, that's the only other one I know. <laughs> but there, I mean, I know more. There's just so many out there. Um, so you can always find a good story. There are some shitty comic books out there. But the, still, it's just the idea that, you know, somebody created this superhero or this story and put um, ink, color, and made it come alive. It's just, it's wonderful. And I've seen it at Walmart. There is a graphic novel version of the Bible. I've opened it up, and there's like, like if it wasn't called the Bible, it would be one hell of an actual, like graphic novel series. To be honest, and they do like the up close, like in one panel, it's like a. Um, I can't. Even, I only saw it briefly, but it's just like, it's a pretty cool idea to get kids at least interested in Jesus. <laughs> I mean. Jesus and that whole scenario thing. It's a crazy subject and it's hard to handle among anybody. Um, because you have people that are not into the Lord or people who have their own ideas and that's cool. You believe whatever you want to believe. That's, just, that's your right as a human being to think for yourself. So please, but as a, like a graphic novel that Bible that I saw, that would be, if it wasn't called the Bible, and was just, uh, I mean, eventually people would catch on, like, oh, this guy looks like Jesus, and then in the next panel, they're like, hey, Jesus, come over here, so people would obviously know that it was the Bible, but, or at least Jesus would be popping up in this graphic novel, The Adventures of Jesus Christ, <laughs> um, but, it was actually, it's just graphic novels are a, a great um, 
a, a great thing, graphic novels and comic books. I'm not saying graphic novels to make it sound like I'm the expert on comic books, because it's just the few comic books that I do have are technically graphic novels. Um, including the Blunt Man and Chronic series, which I, I have actually have all of the Kevin Smith um, view Askewniverse, or the Askewniverse, rather, uh, stories that are in comic form. The Batman comics and the Green Arrow and the Daredevil comics that Kevin Smith wrote and Walt Flanagan inked, I don't have yet. I might, I might pick them up uh, when I'm in New York. I'm going to New York City, well, I'm leaving Saturday, and then I think Sunday is when we're actually going to arrive in the city. Um, I'm so excited to go. My girlfriend's um, auditioning for The Voice, which in and of itself is an amazing thing, because it's just like, hey, that show that, that's on, like, Channel Ah, fuck, I don't even know what channel it's on. But that show that's on, that all the people watch, that it's like surpassed American Idol, some might say. Um, to get all these people audition for it. Like, not only, I mean, she is my girlfriend, so I'm going to be like, I'm not going to be like, yeah, she sucks. Because she doesn't even suck, like, that's the thing. She's so amazing. Um, I feel like she has a good chance to, like, get her... Um, I, I see I don't even know how the voice works really because I don't I don't watch that stuff I don't watch much television actual television I watch like when somebody's like check out this episode I usually find it on Hulu or because I, I got rid of cable I think that's on a local station though so I have no excuse and if she's on it I better goddamn watch it but I, I just I got rid of cable and I just work off Hulu and Netflix and even crackle sometimes um, and then my podcast, which I love my podcast, not, not my podcast because that would, well, I have listened to my podcast before, but granted, I don't, I don't really like hearing my voice for what's now an hour and a half. Well, it's actually just an hour right now. Sorry. Feels like an hour and a half. I really don't know if anybody's going to make it through this one. At least they can listen to it in parts, I guess. Anyways, so... Um, she's auditioning for The Voice, and she has a really good chance to, like, go really far in the in the um, process, I think. At least from my perspective. I don't know how she feels about it. But, anyways, we're going to the city itself. And I've never been to New York City. She lives in Syracuse, and I've usually driven to Buffalo, or I've gone to Syracuse. Her aunt lives in Buffalo. Um, let me just give you the whole family tree of and where she, her family resides all across America. No, but she, uh, when I go to Syracuse, I mean, that's, we just stay in Syracuse. It's probably like four hours, I think it's four hours from Syracuse to, uh, New York, New York City. So it's not like we can just go there, um, for the day, you know? That'd be tiring, especially because you can't see New York City in one day. So I'm going up there for a few days, and I'm really super excited to go. And the first thing I did, I mean, I, since I've never been there, I don't want to be like, let's go on the, let's go on the, let's go up to the Empire State Building, and let's go up to, uh, up to the uh, Statue of Liberty, and all that stuff. Because there, there's going to be time for that. I mean, I, I've, I've seen King Kong. Same thing. 
Spider-Man, other movies that take place in New York. Um, so I have time to do all that. I want to see, like, the actual, the places that people go who, like, who live there. I'm sure the people that live there don't, like, hey, let's go see the uh, Statue of Liberty a thousand times. You know, I'm pretty sure they don't, I, they don't, do, I don't know. Maybe they do. Maybe they love it so much. Maybe they're so proud of the Statue of Liberty that there's just thousands of thousands of New Yorkers that just hang up inside the Statue of Liberty. They start running out apartments there because they're, they're, they're perfect. Um, yeah, this got away from me. What was I talking about? Anyways, yeah, I'm going to New York City, and what, so what I did was I first Googled Doctor Who stores in New York City, um, places that sell Doctor Who merchandise, because I love Doctor Who. I'm convinced that I am a regeneration, incarnation of the Doctor, if you will. I mean, granted, I know the difference between reality and, um, and the real world. Yeah, that joke didn't land. But the reality and Doctor Who, I know the difference between them, but there's, you know, there's so many um, occurrences in my life that it's just like, wow, that, that's like the exact same as the Doctor. And while I have my theories about that, um, about the Big Bang and the Big Crunch and shit like that, which I can easily put into another podcast, um... I I just love it so much, so I figured, you know what, New York City is a huge city, they have a bunch of stores there, I'm sure they have some geek culture there, I mean, New York City, they better have some geek culture there, right? Um, so I found a few comic book stores, and I plan on picking up the graphic novel, um, graphic novels of Kevin Smith. I, I I know they sell them at board, or Borders. I know they sell them at Barnes and Noble, but the only time that I saw a Kevin Smith graphic novel was when I went to Syracuse. Um, yeah, and we went to this Barnes and Noble that was like 20, 30 minutes away. Because I had never been to the Barnes and Noble out there. Jesse and I we tend to go down to the waterfront and chill for a while and one of our things is going into Barnes and Noble because they have so many great books. Now granted even though I we go in there all the time I never buy anything only because it's just cool to look at shit and I don't have $45 to just blow on the encyclopedia of the Joker. I mean granted I would love to but you know you have to be a little sensible I guess because I, I would buy the encyclopedia of the Joker, the DC Universe, the Marvel Universe encyclopedias. Um, there's so many Doctor Who books. There's Kevin Smith's biographies. Tough shit. I have my boring ass life, but um, tough shit might not be a biography. I, I don't know. Um, so many other graphic novels in general, like The Walking Dead and The Watchmen. And any the any of the Batman ones, really. The Avengers, the X Men, um, and then you have the. Uh, like the, um, fucking the bargain bins, not the bargain bins, but the shelves that they have there with, like, the uh, astronomy for dummies or, like, layouts of the universe in, in book form, and that's, 
like those are all my interests so why wouldn't I pick them up well I don't have that much money to do that I would love to but I don't um, so when we're in New York I plan on at least treating myself to a graphic novel hopefully one written by Kevin Smith because I love the shit he does and he is a Gothamite loves Batman to death he has another podcast by the way, called Fat Man on Batman, where it's him and somebody who has worked closely or just worked in general on Batman. Um, he's had Mark Hamill, he's had Kevin Conroy, he's had um, Grant Morrison, who's done numerous Batman stories, like um, oh shit, why can't I think of any? I know he's done like the the uh, Batman and Robin storylines. <clears throat> uh, Batman R.I.P. Are the Arkham Oh shit! He did Arkham Asylum. How could I forget that? He did uh, the Return of Bruce Wayne. I mean, he's done X Men Two and, and uh, the JLA series and Fantastic Four. He's he's done a lot. I mean, to be fair though, a lot of. Uh, a lot of uh, Batman writers cross over to, I mean, a lot of DC writers cross over into other um, stories, and 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 one of my favorite writers, apart from Grant Morrison, which I'm ashamed that I didn't, I couldn't think of any of the ones he's done, uh, Frank Miller, which I know it might just sound like I'm just throwing out these names I'm not that much of a comic book guy that's who, who and I'm just trying to sound like one but I've only I've only read a few um, a few graphic novels because I've only just gotten into the comic book game I mean I bought I bought some one dollar comic books that are just amazing um, world's finest detective comics stuff like that for dollars and they're just brilliant um, but the graphic novels that I do have, they do happen to be written by, like, Frank Miller and Grant Morrison, um, uh, Neil Gaiman, who, I, while I, while I have you guys here, I'm pretty certain that Neil Gaiman, the guy who writes for Batman sometimes, uh, and the Sandman, well, he doesn't doesn't write for the Sandman. He writes the Sandman. Um, and I think he's done Watchmen. See, this is this is the thing. I don't know that much about. Uh... Oh, he's friends with Alan Moore. Wonderful. Um, <laughs> there, there's something you didn't know. Or you might have known, and I just... Oh, he did, uh... Whatever Happened to the Caped Crusader? Um, it came after the Batman R.I.P. story. And it's a playoff of Superman's Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow by Alan Moore. But apart from that... Oh, he did Stardust, too. See, this is shit I don't know. I should I should know this, and I mean, I'm guessing it's a good thing that I'm looking it up 
but I'm very certain he's done some episodes of Doctor Who. Yes, he did. He wrote an episode. Um, uh, the doctor. He wrote the Doctor's Wife. One of my favorite episodes. Wow. I couldn't remember the title of it. I know I saw his name on the credits though. Um, the Doctor's Wife. Switching gears from Batman to Doctor Who. Um, but the Doctor's Wife. Well, shit. I spoilers for anybody who hasn't made it to the Matt Smith years. Because I know a few people who started the series um, recently, and they're not there yet. Um, the Doctor's Wife, I hope that doesn't spoil anything that I just threw the title out there at least. But it's it's excellent, it's, not, it's really not what you think it is. But The Doctor's Wife, written by Neil Gaiman, is um, a story that happens in the Matt Smith, the 11th Doctor's years. Uh who's sadly on his way out in in December. It's a shame. I, I love Matt Smith. I love David. David Tennant's my doctor, for all those wondering. like He hasn't said the name of his favorite doctor yet, because that's a huge thing in the Hugh community. The, no, I'm not even going to try to. Community? That just sounds stupid. But, um, so, yeah, the... Uh, I, there, there's a few things I always say about, you know, the new run of Doctor Who, because I've seen the older episodes, and, I mean, for a lot of people in my generation, they started watching it in 2005, when it was starting back up, because, it, I mean, for those of you who don't know, or are listening and it's like, oh, Doctor Who fan again, what the fuck, I thought he was talking about Batman and Kevin Smith, no, but, uh, it started for quick background. It started in 1963 with the first Doctor, played by uh, William Hartnell. I hope I'm pronouncing. It. I I'm always afraid that I'm pronouncing something wrong, and then I'll get messages later like, "You fucking said this, and it was supposed to be this." But uh, William Hartnell. Hartnell. Yeah, okay, I was pronouncing it right. Um, technically, in the canon of Doctor Who, he was the first Doctor. People do argue that there was a Doctor that came before him, and that's true. Um, his name, his real name was uh, Peter Cushing. Um, It was originally titled Doctor Who and the Daleks, and then Daleks Invasion Earth, 2150 A.D. Wait a minute. Okay, yeah. Oh, wait, shit. He wasn't the first Doctor. <laughs> I thought he came before Hartnell, but I was wrong. They came out in 65. Um... Peter Cushing played the Doctor at that, and it wasn't the Doctor at that time, it was Doctor Who, D-R dot Who, and if you call in the Doctor Who community, for all the Whovians out there on the internet, if you call, um, oh, I'm not telling the Whovians out there, but if a Whovian catches you doing this, 
if you call the doctor Doctor Who, and you, worse if you spell it Dr. Who, um, they will show up at your house with pitchforks and and torches, only because I, I mean, to, sometimes it, it gets to me, sometimes it doesn't. I I can like, I can let it slide. If you're new to the series and you don't really know that yet. Because I'm sure at some point I did it. I mean, I'm sure at some point every Whovian has done it. But anyway, it's the Doctor Who uh, series. is a British series that is about this alien who's a Time Lord. That's his race of human, or that's his race of, that's his species, his Time Lord. Um, and he's the last of the Time Lords by new 2005 um, and basically he's run away from his home planet of Gallifrey um, the only surviving Time Lord left and basically he just saves the universe with his time and space machine now it's called the TARDIS T-A-R-D-I-S time and relative dimensions in space and the reason it's called this is because not only does it travel through space and time, but it's bigger on the inside. It's On the outside, it's disguised as a wooden 1960s police box, which is literally just a blue box with the real um, police box boxes that they use. I'm pretty sure they just had a phone in it. You could throw a criminal in there and... It was kind of like a detainment center, from what I know. And then you call the police, and then they come and get the guy, or like somebody who's a police officer who's walking down the street commits, sees a crime being committed, and you just toss him in there for the time being. But anyways, um, his time and relative dimension in space, it's originally, his, his, its purpose was that for wherever it would go, it would... Uh, like, if it went into ancient Egypt, it would disguise itself as, like, I don't know, like a, a, a pyramid or in a sarcophagus or something like that. To, uh, and it would also have a perception filter, which is essentially, like, it kind of makes you look away from it. You don't really notice it anymore. Like... If, if your phone had a perception filter on it, uh, you wouldn't be able to find it, essentially. Or you would... Yeah. It would just kind of fade in and out of your vision. You wouldn't really be able to know that it's there, but it would be there. And so the TARDIS has this device. It's called the Chameleon Circuit, where wherever it lands, if it lands in the rainforest, it can disguise itself as a tree or a giant rock to blend in with its surroundings. But the chameleon circuit broke and now because it landed in it originally landed in the 60s it's disguised itself as in a 60s police box and now it's forever been a blue 1960s police box they've updated it i mean since then but it's still always the blue police box and since it's bigger on the inside like i said before those were like giant closets that were just all over the place and you would detain a criminal in there um, so it looks like that on the outside probably 
four by four, five by five maybe, maybe it's a little bigger. Um, five, uh, 25 cubic feet, I think. Yeah. Um, no, 25, 20, 25 square feet, sorry. It would look like a 25 square foot box, but on the inside, infinite amount of space. And that's basically, um, it's, it's hard to, to I know, I, there's a video on YouTube that explains how it works, but essentially the inside space is in a different point in space than the outside of the box. So like, I'm sitting here in my room right now. My room is in my house. Okay, um, if, if my house is taking up a certain amount of space, right, where, where it is now, and then you walk in the door, basically everything inside the house is in a different point in space altogether. Uh, that did nothing for you. Basically, uh, no, nah, I can't. I honestly, I c c can't think of a way to describe it over the over the podcast. Um, but it maybe I'll post the link for the video. I don't know. Okay, here's the thing. Um, you, this this might help here. So. You are looking at a person, a human being, right across from you. Now, you know when they're standing right next to you that they're, like, full-sized, right? But then as they walk further away, it looks like they're getting smaller. So that those, those times where you've taken, like, your index finger and your thumb, you just squish their head, you know, with their finger, that's because they're, they look like they're smaller away. That concept is the same way that the TARDIS works. Um... The ins essentially the inside of the box, which is huge, is much further away than the outside of the box, which is small. That's how you can get bigger on the inside. Whew. Nailed it. Well, almost nailed it. Definitely didn't blow it. Psych reference. Didn't do it in a high-pitched voice because my voice is kind of sore. I, ha I didn't realize I'd be going on for this long. But I'm having fun. Um... And I think I covered everything. I, I slightly covered the Evil Dead. And I, I transitioned very well, I, I would say. Um, so, yeah. That, I guess, is it for this week. I don't know when my next podcast will be. But, that was fun. I enjoyed that. I hope you guys did too. And if there's anything... It was very informative, I believe, and I covered everything I wanted to talk about. So, um, if there's anything you guys want me to talk about, or like th there's an article that you read and you want my opinion on it, it could be related to Doctor Who, Batman, Kevin Smith, Evil Dead, anything like that, or it could be completely, what do you think about these doctors who are cloning babies with sheep DNA, I don't know. Just anything, really. And you want want to hear my opinion on it, or just want me to talk about it, get people to know about it, or you have something that you want people to know about, um, tell me, and I will go on 
with it for an hour and because apparently that's how much I can talk about nothing. It's it's essentially it's like a really long audio version of Seinfeld. I'll not be talking about anything, but it's entertainment to somebody. Definitely me. I'll listen to this at some point, I'm sure, just to see how it sounds at least. And because, like I said, I'm egotistical and I like to hear the sound of my own voice. That's not true at all. I can't stand my uh, voicemail message, outgoing message. It's just awful. But anyways, I digress. That's it for the Matthew Danko podcast this week. Don't call it that. I'm your host, Matthew Danko.